kind of music you like. Ask me if I give a shit. Stop, I'm sick of your bullshit. Get your facts straight. You'll never be the master of tiger power. That's wrong. To another episode of the Silver Emotion Podcast. My name is Will. And my name is Steven. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Yeah, I, I felt it was necessary there. <laughs> well, yeah. Whatever you feel, that's the, you know. It's the Silver Emotion way. Yeah. It's, you know, no preparation, just kind of, hey. Just winging it. <laughs> Uh, so uh, today we're dialing it back to the early days of the Shaw Brothers uh, action films. Uh, back to 1966 uh, with King Hughes, Come Drink With Me. Yeah. This is uh, one of the, in, in the line of color martial arts movies produced by the Shaw Brothers, this was, I think, the fourth to come out. Oh, well. Okay. Um, Very early days. Yeah, yeah. Especially considering how many they pump out a year. Yeah, they weren't they weren't ripping them out as quickly during those early days. But like, like it, the first two came out in '65, and then probably '66 they had like eight or something, and then it, each year it kind of builds Increased up until yeah. they got to about like 25 <coughs> or so mm. um, at the height. Yeah. But yeah, this is uh, one of the one of the early days. This is probably the 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 first um, first like really popular, influential wuxia from that era. Hmm. Um, yeah, it, it yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's the movie. Yeah, fuck. I don't know, man. I just uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I have all kinds of weird factoids, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a lot more mild than the later ones for sure. That I've yeah. Seen anyway. Yeah. I, it certainly has like the magicy kind of martial artsy stuff, like the guy blowing wind out of his hands. There, you know, there's quite a bit of that <clears throat> fantasy stuff in like there's it's um, they don't have the effects to like do it. In a way that, like, is, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's more subtle and, like, editing than, yeah. than, like, straight up effects. Right. Although there is some effects. And very limited wire work. I mean, we're talking, if this is the fourth movie to come out of this color era of martial arts movies... This is probably like the fifth or sixth fucking wire work movie. <laughs> so, and and at that time it was basically just swinging and maybe a little bit of an up and down sort of thing. But yeah, you can just see it very briefly here and there. Yeah, I didn't really even specifically notice anything of it, but it, it's v very little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not much at all. But yeah, most of it is just. Uh, editing primarily is the main yeah like there's, effect <laughs> like there's one in particular he like throws some darts at her and it's just yes. like it's just some really quick edits of a dart impaled on the yes. basket and yes a, a classic trick they do that a lot in these movies yeah um that technique of like cutting and then the next edit being like something there is uh goes all the way back to george millier in the fucking <laughs> early days of silent cinema right he was like the pioneer <clears throat> of that the uh he was the pioneer of many film basic film special effects and stuff like that 
So, um, King Hugh is is one of the directors that is often thought of as a sort of a father of the wuxia, the modern wuxia or whatever, yeah. along with Cheng Che being the other one. Um, and so this is his first martial arts movie. Hmm. Um, and then he promptly left Shaw Brothers <laughs> after that. <laughs> Made one movie for him and took it off. <laughs> uh, well, he had been there for a while. Um, he directed two other movies before that, oh, like okay. dramas. Hmm. Uh, they might be one of them might be an opera, but I, I think they're both dramas. And then he was an actor before that, and, you know, going back into the 50s um, hmm. with Shaw Brothers. and So he had been around writing and all kinds of shit like that. But uh, yeah, as soon as he made this movie and it was a hit, he fucking boned out. <laughs> <laughs> and he went to make independent movies in Taiwan. Mm. Okay. And uh, that's where he made the movies that really like this is a big movie for him obviously but like the two movies after this Dragon Inn and Touch of Zen are like the shit that basically really fucking defined him as this hmm. this uh progenitor of fucking wuxia <laughs> <coughs> so uh <laughs> I don't know where to go from here did you like it? Yeah, it was it was fun. It was, it was fun. It definitely felt weird, and it felt weird, like pacing wise and structural stuff. It's how so? Well, I guess the the would have to jump to the end for the most obvious example of what I'm okay. being just uh like at the end. It just kind of. I mean, I know Hong Kong movies just kind of tend to just cut things off real quick, but... They can, yes. I mean, it's like she spends the whole movie, like, trying to get her brother out, basically. Yeah. And you don't even, like, see them meet up at the end and be like, oh, hey, you're all right, or anything. Like, there's no reunion scene, there's no... Yeah, she puts him in that in the, the sedan chair and sort of tells him to get the fuck out. <laughs> And then, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and that's, like, mid-fucking-action scene, so it's not even... <laughs> right, yeah. it's just, like, you never really see anything. Like, like it's very focused to the action scenes. To yeah. The, in a way, like, almost to just ignoring everything else going on. Not really ignoring yeah. it, but, like, it... Like, there's a lot... A lot of these early Shaw Brothers swooshes are melodramatic, and King Hugh is not melodramatic. Mm -hmm. So he kind of goes against that. And perhaps that's why this movie is popular. I don't know. Yeah, It definitely stands out from the, the sea of, of Shaw Brothers movies. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember Thundering Sword that we watched a long time ago. Um, I kind of remember it yeah but it's uh it's a lot more melodramatic than this is yeah 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 there was like the whole family drama going on with that yeah, yeah. and that's like that was the movie like cheng pei pei is the star of this movie she plays golden swallow and thundering sword was her movie after this oh, okay. so it's like they're produced fairly uh, quickly after one another i think thundering I think Thundering Sword is mm -hmm. 67, but, you know, I mean, it's still, like, probably eight months later or something. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely a, a different tone yeah. in, in this one. For sure. It's, uh, looks like it's all very dedicated to just uh, setting up these action sequences. and. Yes. King Hu is all about building these scenes of tension. And it's not as dramatic here as it is in his later movies, but but um, you see it in every like from the beginning all the way up to that scene in the inn where they're all like testing her. Right. The whole beginning part is just like 
building up to that moment because you just you see like the first scene you see how badass the bandits are like oh right. shit they took on all these fucking soldiers and they're just like nothing and then the next scene is they're all fucking celebrating and then they're like oh shit but what what if fucking golden swallow comes <laughs> that's no we, we're fucked so you're like oh shit these guys are scared of that one person right and then now like here she is and now they're all testing her and so like that whole thing is just building up and so he's he's big on that kind of stuff yeah and i think in when they're testing her at the end i think you don't even know her name yet you don't even know that she's I don't, golden swallow i don't think i don't think so but there's a pretty like there's an in, i don't know how to say it but like there's information in the cut where where one of the lines from the villains are, is like oh like I hope to meet her or some shit. And then oh, it yeah, cuts yeah. directly to her fucking oh, okay. walking on to like into the town. And so you don't know necessarily. But it's kind of telegraphing. I idea. would say that it's an implied yeah, in the yeah. cut. Um, but yeah, you don't know. I don't know when you actually know. I don't right. remember when they actually like reveal that or anything, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, just yeah, that whole in scene in itself is kind of just a big tension of it everybody just staring at each other and giving like hand signs and yes, <clears throat> yes, and she's just sitting there right dead center in it, just like waiting for the next right <laughs> thing to happen. No fear, just just you know, living in the moment, sort of a thing. Yeah. So that in scene is very iconic. And basic, I don't know that it's the first, <laughs> but even if it's not the first, it's the movie that defined that as like a martial arts film trope. Mm. <laughs> and so like it's in fucking almost every Shaw Brothers movie. It's in like everything. And it all like kind of comes back to this and the way that King Yu builds those scenes. And, uh, like to the point that his next movie Dragon Inn is basically that scene as an entire movie <laughs> basically because everybody is coming to this inn and it's just 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 building building tension as everybody arrives at this inn and and uh shit happens and yeah. he uses that formula again he's that's he's into it <laughs> <laughs> or he was i mean he died a while back but. Uh. Yeah, I mean, honestly, all of the fights kind of have this, like, tension to it. Like, it's a very jerky flow. Like, it's everyone's kind of staring, and then just, bam, action, and then right. then they're in another position. Like a slice, and then you know, <clears throat> one guy goes down, and then... Yeah. Yeah. And that, to me, is very Japanese samurai movie. You know, I was thinking... When, when I was watching a lot of the fights in here, like, I was thinking of that fight <clears throat> at the end of first Star Wars, of Obi-Wan versus Vader. Oh, okay. Where they're staring at each other and kind of... Yeah, And then yeah. maybe a little jab here and there. And it's, it was, yeah, a little it bit It had better. a very similar vibe to that. And I know the, uh, those that first trilogy, the lightsaber duels, were kind of based off samurai action kind of stuff, so... Yes. Kind of yes, a, there is some, some definite influence <laughs> there in terms of what George Lucas was pulling from for sure yeah so it's uh, kind of funny that that just kind of yeah so like th but, that's kind of um, yeah it is, a, it is a very Japanese kind of style of a, a pro to approach it in that way too so yeah and, and Shaw Brothers as a whole in terms of their action movies they owe a huge debt of gratitude to to samurai movies especially in this the king hugh line of mm -hmm. movies where there's movies like this and stuff cheng che is a little bit more like overtly chinese in his fights like his are more mm. like he's not so much into that tension right it's not that he has no tension but 
it's not as important to him. <laughs> <laughs> so his his things feel more like a traditional sort of kung fu fight. Because mm-hmm. like his movies are basically the the birth of those the shit that came afterwards that you think of as like oh yeah that's a fucking Hong Kong movie fight or whatever. Um, but yeah, King Hugh is, is the, the tension and then lots of editing. There's not, there's a few shots where you see like multiple movements of, of, of like swords and things, but primarily it's like, yeah, each shot is one act and then it cuts to another action. Right. Yeah, and so sort of just constructing a fight and not so much choreography. I mean, there's tons of choreography, and obviously all that shit has to be choreographed, but, like... Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it just jumps to something unrelated. It's it's clearly following a a flow. Yeah, no... Setup. Yeah, but, like, in terms of what most people think of as Hong Kong choreography, where you're watching two people or multiple people perform, (laughs) like, on stage almost... Yeah, it's not very that it's very different here yeah yeah there was one fun thing i think it was like a panning shot i think it was it was like i don't know must have been at the end when they were rescuing the one dude or something when so there was like a bunch of people fighting and it like panned across it and like it would just pan to this guy you just hear somebody like hear a sound effect and the guy screaming it like pans over and the guy's like bleeding all over yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a couple of good ones like that like it kind of cleverly blocks things in a way to right. just like you know special effects wise that guy was just sitting there with a bloody ready ripped to go, up shirt yeah. ready to go just sitting there like all right, all right, oh, oh here it is <laughs> and just, right but it like sets it up to work really just flow right properly yeah I love, Give, gives the I impression love that, that he'd just been stabbed and <laughs> or right. cut up or whatever it was but there's a lot of shit like that where a dude will just turn around and he'll have like this big old fucking gash. Right, right. <laughs> I love I'm, it. I'm sure that is a very well used time honored technique of having It is, yes. I've I've noticed that in a lot of movies before Hong Kong or otherwise. Like uh, Yeah. Uh, at least several times in uh Excalibur the Oh, okay. They do things like that. But Yeah, it's you know it's, you're making a uh, movie and you don't get a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fucking easy way in camera to just do a bunch of shit. Yeah, you know, just have a guy back to the camera get stabbed and then turn around and yeah. he's always had that freaking sword there. Just you couldn't see it before. Right, but, right. Yeah. And it really, I mean, it's a good illusion. Right, right. It works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, it does feel very different from the other Hong Kong movies in that regard, where the choreography is approached from a very different angle. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. this is... Uh, the same guy did the choreography as The Big Boss. Oh. Hmm. Han Ying Che. He's in this movie, too, but, like, he's one of the fucking bad guys, and I don't know which one, and, you know, not that mm. you would remember who would who was who, but he's one of the... Like, there's a group of, of, he's not a main guy. There's, like, that group of sort of lower-tier yeah, yeah. <laughs> henchmen guys. And he's yeah, they're all kind of like, they gotta give them all numbers. Like, oh, number three, that's do this. That's right, that's right. <laughs> number five, go here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, further complicated by the fact that they're, like, their leader, who I assumed was number one, is, like, captured awaiting execution or oh something. yeah the guy that you don't really see until the the end part of the movie yeah and you only see him for like a minute or something well that's true you do see him at the beginning a little bit yeah or do you i don't think so no because those other two guys are just other guys yeah i thought that's right and then they want the yeah they want okay. their leader and i guess and you and I, had, I had assumed their leader was there but then they don't get him back so I, was right. like, oh, I guess he wasn't there they're, yeah no they needed to take the other guy hostage that's right yeah and i kind of wanted to go back and see if the guy they rescued there was one of the other guys because i kind of thought 
the guy they rescued might have been that like smiling tiger guy or laughing tiger. What was his name? Oh yeah, smiling tiger. Smiling tiger. Yeah. I uh, I don't think so, but maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I'd, I'd have, have to because I didn't think of that until much later into the movie, and I was like, oh, when I was thinking like, oh, I guess their leader wasn't there. Like, who was there? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe it was one of the, maybe they rescued one of their other number three or four or yeah, something. <laughs> it's possible. I don't know. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, so. But I didn't go back and check to see, so it might have just been random guy number five. I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that they could have just been random prisoners. Yeah. Like, caught up in it, you know, like, hey, let me out. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like clearly trying to rescue the guy in the middle of the fight, so I kind of feel like yeah, he true. was important to us. But uh, it's just the bandit brotherhood, you yeah, know. Yeah, like, yeah. hey, this guy, you know, just bust this guy out. Why not? If I was in this position, I'd want him to bust me out. So <laughs> <laughs> story is pretty simple and straightforward. It is. It is. There is the. Uh, there's the goofy hobo guy. Who's... The goofy hobo guy. Yeah, the drunken cat. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? I just looked at the... Uh, I, I wanted to see what... I always try to see what the, uh, the Chinese title basically translates to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd never done this movie. And so I did it. And apparently the Chinese title kind of translates to his character. Like, it's like fucking drunken hero or some shit like that. (laughs) Which I found interesting. I mean, he is like a big part of it, but... Right, you know, uh, I don't know. I did kind of think it was a little strange. Like, he kind of become... Like, it shifts focus to him in that very end part where he does. And it was kind of like... That was another part of the pacing that was kind of weird, is that it focuses on golden swallow this whole time and her quest and stuff yeah and then over the course of that you get a little bit more of drunken cat story here and there a little bit right. and then at the end it's suddenly like it's all him and yeah and that is weird i do wish that you would see more like of cheng pei pei and her character golden swallow because it's just like i don't know yeah it's yeah, weird it, yeah, it feels like she should be the hero of the right, story. Right, right. I mean, I like the drunken cat guy. He's a, a huge job of their star that stayed there for fucking forever, <laughs> pro- almost probably through through the end of their life cycle. Mm-hmm. Yu Hua. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. There's something about that Golden Swallow, and, and she's such a good actress where she's just fucking... She has the best facial expressions. Yeah, she's like, she's so got a huge hard. screen presence here. She where does. it's she she's does. always kind of the center point of the of the story. It feels like all yeah. the time, and then she really does like, especially in that in the uh, when they're at the inn. I mean, she just commands. Yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah. to set her up the character as like she's more badass than any of these dudes that you just saw are so badass you feel that when you see her you're like oh okay i, I could buy that <laughs> like you could see it in her eyes right right know? just looking at her you just know she's not gonna take shit from anybody <laughs> right it's not like because yeah i mean because that could go wrong you could be told that this person's awesome and then you see like i don't fucking know some you know rick moranis or something you're like <laughs> i don't know about I don't this know. <laughs> i don't know about this dude <laughs> although seeing rick moranis and doing martial arts might be uh entertaining but <laughs> I, I love rick moranis but you know i don't know <laughs> is he the ultimate badass uh maybe <laughs> maybe he could sell it i don't know but i doubt it <laughs> Yeah, another one of those guys, the, uh, the the lower tier sort of villains is uh, Simon Yoon, the guy who plays Beggar So in Drunken Master. Mm. But uh, he's very, he's, I find that he's almost unrecognizable when he doesn't have the uh, the fucking old man wig and shit. <laughs> Even though he was an old dude at that time, like. And he basically looks the same if you see his face and you like compare it. 
it's just like I would almost never pick him out of a lineup or right. whatever. Like, oh, that's that guy. But he's there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this is from the early days. So, there is... In this movie, it's it's not as much, but there are uh, a couple of songs that sort of yeah, uh, yeah. harken back to the the days of Shaw Brothers doing operas, Huang Mei operas, and that, in terms of this movie, was just like the year before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but that that goes back probably through the mid mid to late 50s up until that point it, it had like a a heyday and then it kind of faded when these movies the whooshes and stuff came to power mm. and then they had a little bit of resurgence in the 60s and, and early 70s with just li- literally like two or three movies that were hits because they were just like oh shit one of these <laughs> like, I haven't seen these in a decade <laughs> and then like I don't know that they've made any since then mm-hmm it's just yeah it's just like a lost thing well but there are a couple songs in this so what do you think of the songs it was, you know, <laughs> <they're> fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what else you would say but i mean they're fun they're fun little songs yeah i am not knowing uh chinese writing systems made that one song a little uh I obviously couldn't follow along with the uh, clues as it was. Oh, you know, yeah. The, the crosses and the whatever. And, yeah, and then yeah. she f- thinks about it for a while. She's like, oh, it's this word if you write she it down. Puts it, it was together. Like, oh, yeah. well, <laughs> certainly wasn't going to get that. But <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. May, maybe there is some savvy, some savvy dude that was watching it in 66, like doing it in his head. Like, oh, shit, the temple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you can kind of figure because you've seen them in the te- the bad guys in the temple before, so you already know they're there. That's true. That's true. So it yeah, might have they been. do show the like the monk that's like, "Hey guys, what are you doing? <laughs> like, please don't kill us all." <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, what's funny about that guy that plays that character? He he looks old as fuck then, right. and like. That dude is in movies until like the fucking nineties, <laughs> and he looks the exact fucking same, like old as fuck, like just, and he never changed. It's crazy, and it's always funny when I see him here, and it's just like, oh wow, that's right, he, he always looked old. <laughs> uh, and and he's one of those guys that just is always one of these. Uh, fucking one line sort of background dudes uh so if you watch a lot of shaw brothers movies he's just kind of one of these guys that the old guy in the back or whatever you're <laughs> <laughs> gonna tell me it was like 20 years later he's in the a movie of some younger martial artist guy kicking no, ass no, no. Like, what? <laughs> i think if i remember right there is a movie where where he is a martial artist and it like fucking blew my mind it was like oh fuck <laughs> they finally like gave him a shot <laughs> i can't remember what it is or if it's him or somebody else i can't remember i'm pretty sure it was him and it's a later movie like like in the 70s fuck i don't know i'm kind of uh i'm a little bit uh rusty mm. yeah what else is uh what else about this movie So the songs were all right. Yeah, they kind of remind me a little anime intermission songs. Of like oh, you think so? <clears throat> when they'll just like insert a song into anime at times where they'll yeah for some emotional moment or something. Uh-huh. Where you'll just be like, oh, suddenly they're singing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about about this movie and how this movie uses the song is that in Huang Mei operas, they are like. I don't want to say like a Hollywood musical because they're not like Hollywood, but they're they're singing the words and you see the person and they're singing and it's a song like a Hollywood musical. But in the martial arts movies that are in this period where they use songs, they're 
the people are almost never actually singing. Mm. It's more like like there'll be some fucking swordsman that like is walking on a road <laughs> and some fucking rock ballad starts playing. No, it's <laughs> he's, a, he's on a road and he'll like look up, he'll gaze up at the mountain and then some song will start about, about like his inner struggle with, will he be good enough to, to like conquer this fucking thing before him? And, you know, like, and it's more about like internal struggles and things like that but the characters never actually sing. So hmm. it it was interesting to go back to this movie after I've seen, because when I first saw this, I had never seen any sort of Hong Kong operas or anything. So to go back to this one and be like, oh shit, they're actually singing. Like he's using the songs like they were always used, but within yeah. the context of the action movie, like he's not trying to change it to be like to just morph it into something else he's actually using it how they were always used yeah which is uh i don't know i don't know that i have anything to say other than cool but <laughs> i don't know i just i, I find it yeah. interesting so uh, yeah interesting to see how the styles develop and evolve yeah because mm. it's literally like mm. probably this movie and maybe one or two others out of you know, a hundred movies that have a song in them that that are martial arts movies that that like actually have the guy singing or something hmm. like actually moving his mouth and singing a song <laughs> instead of yeah. just imagining a song. So it's it's really unique hmm. um, within these action movies. This movie has a Chinese score as well, which is mm. also unique. A lot of these early days movies. Uh, the score is like ripped off James Bond music and oh. <laughs> fucking spaghetti Western music. And maybe that's the influence of Cheng Che. I don't remember what the other, like the earlier movies have, but because I know Cheng Che does shit like that. So maybe he started that. Hmm. But anyway, if you, <laughs> if you watch a bunch of these, they, they just use the same fucking cues from, James Bond and spaghetti westerns and shit over and over and you're just like oh yeah this one <laughs> oh something's fucking going down here we go it's that fucking musical cue uh, it becomes very fun is that kind of a Shaw Brothers thing or were other studios doing that too or? Uh, well yeah I, I don't I know it's a Shaw Brothers thing at this time in Hong Kong There, like Shaw Brothers was kind of the studio. Mm. There were other studios that were smaller. The the biggest one was probably Cathay, um, Cathay Pacific. They also had a uh, had a whole you know it was like an empire where they mm. had an airline, Cathay Pacific Airlines, and Jeez. all kinds of shit. Like Shaw Brothers is a. I don't think they ever had like airlines, but they had fucking movie theaters around the world and. They owned mm. TVB. They still own TVB, the the Hong Kong's main fucking TV channel, and mm. it's a big empire. But uh, I've never seen a cafe wuxia, so I can't say how they were using music or or not using it or or ripping off scores. Mm. Um, I know that ripping off scores is a thing in fucking hong kong movies up through whenever the fuck probably the at least the 80s yeah. if not the 90s where they just you know like oh let's throw some music from fucking the shining <laughs> or what you know yeah. they don't give a fuck yeah but yeah i don't know if that started with shaw brothers or if it's uh, an earlier thing i don't know hmm. i want to say that it pr might have started with with Shaw Brothers, but I, who the fuck knows? Right. There's a Jackie Chan movie in the seventies. I think it's Magnificent Bo Magnificent Bodyguards. I think, and it's just like almost the whole score is fucking Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be interesting. I think it's that one. Because 
I'm actually familiar enough with that score that I would, <laughs> right, that you would recognize notice it. it. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of Hong Kong movies that'll use like mu- music from Alien and just all kinds of fucking Terminator and all kinds of shit. <laughs> Not necessarily the like the the major ones that have achieved international success because yeah, <laughs> then you'd have to clear that shit, right? <laughs> but it is a thing. Hmm. Hong Kong, especially at, I don't know, I don't know, especially in the '60s, but especially in the '70s, Hong Kong didn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they just did whatever the fuck they wanted to do, and and and, uh, and uh, yeah, that's fucking Hong Kong. <laughs> there you go. '70s and '80s, just yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, it's a pretty basic movie. Right. Kind of. Yeah, there was like, uh, when she goes to the temple, it was just like, oh, geez, she's fighting like the main bad guy this whole time. That's been, like, yeah, the white jade faced. Yeah, dude, it's yeah. like, oh, he's like the guy in charge. I mean, right. At least up until then, as far as you know. And, yes. And so you're like, oh, geez, like this is like the big climax already. Is like, but there's still like another <laughs> half hour or something of the movie. Like this is like, yeah. What are they gonna do now? <laughs> well, sometimes they'll they'll do that where they'll fight and then in not so much in the older movies, but but uh, they might fight and then learn like, oh, I'm not good enough, and then they have to go right. back and train, and then go back to fight the guy again mm-hmm. or like happens in this movie um a better like more <laughs> more uh higher up dude shows himself yeah yeah and then uh, the movie moves towards that guy how'd you like him the the abbot with the yeah he was staff and stuff yeah. he's cool i like him a lot yeah I like the uh, smiling tiger guy the best. You like that guy the best? He lived up to his name. He's always had that huge grin, like (laughs) smile. Yeah, he's he's one of the few guys in this, other than Golden Swallow, that has an actual like uh, a wuxia name. Yeah. The uh, in general, wuxias have fun names. Yeah, yeah. And there's uh, well, there were there were several. There was a few, I guess, but. Drunken cat and jade-faced guy. Whatever. Yeah, jade-faced fucking, I don't know. Hey, yeah, I don't know. Jade-faced something. Jade-faced? Whatever it was. Raccoon. <laughs> Raccoon. I don't know. <laughs> so, I guess that's four. Which I guess is more than I yeah, thought initially. I don't know that anybody else really has a name. Yeah, number three and all that shit. Yeah. But, like, when you get to the, like, some dope-ass whooshes, they have some fucking amazing names. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, and they're just throwing out dudes with names, like, constantly, and it's just fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, so, I don't know, like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I know that that comes from the wuxia novel tradition and the, the serials, but... Uh, I don't know how far back it goes or whatever. Yeah. Once again, you know, mm-hmm. riveting. <laughs> <laughs> so much information, my brain's going to explode. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So we talked about Cheng Pei Pei, Drunken Cat, Villains. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of it's kind of interesting in that at first you kind of think maybe the bandits are the good guys. Like when they very first show up. At the up. very beginning, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, "Oh, we're here to like we want our leader back. We just want to like rescue our dude." And you think You didn't oh, see man. that dude and think like I mean, he that's was kind of creepy, motherfucker. but yeah, like <laughs> he was you know, it's just that at first you're sitting there just like not real. It's not super clear on yeah. who the good guys and the bad guys are. Per Maybe se. it's a uh, 
Robin Hood situation. Yeah, where... like it was. Uh, <laughs> I was actually thinking kind of like water margin, where yeah, um, that's true. There is a lot of people being captured and rescued and shit in that. Yeah, it, it just it made me <laughs> think of uh, those movies, like in that whole. Uh, yeah, especially that first one. They had like rescue people fucking like four times in that movie. And, and you know, you've got the bandits <laughs> in the hills who are kind of the the heroes this of the is story. True. This and, is and so true. I was kind yes. of thinking it was gonna be like that, and, oh, and then okay. it was like, oh, oh no, these guys are evil as fuck. <laughs> yeah, no. The, yeah, these are not the heroic bandits <laughs> for sure. No, they're they're bad dudes. I love that in the opening fight where the guy. Uh, just chops that guy's fucking hand off. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, ah! <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. You don't get a lot of gore like that in, in American movies in 66. Right, <laughs> so. right. Oh, yeah, and then the dude just, like, stabs that kid. He's just like, yeah. He's like, oh, give him the antidote. I got the antidote right the here. <laughs> There's blood just spattering everywhere. Yeah. Like, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not going to see that in an American movie. But no. Hong Kong, they don't fucking, you know. These are how, you know, these these dudes are bad people, you know. So let's right. let's make them bad. And... Speaking of like random people that are in the background, that kid is played by uh, one of the most influential people in the history of Hong Kong cinema. <laughs> Not at this point, but because <laughs> he was just a kid. But he, um, Ching Xiu Tung, who who is one of the the uh, greatest choreographers in the history of of Hong Kong. He also directed a shitload of movies. Mm. Um, and his dad was a choreographer at uh, Shaw Brothers. Um, and so apparently <laughs> it was fucking bring your kid to work day. <laughs> he shows up in a few other movies like yeah. that too. But It's like, hey, I was in this movie where I got stabbed in the eye. <laughs> I love it. I want to do this my whole life. <laughs> I just always find it interesting when little kids like that are just like brought up as little kids in the industry and yeah. a lot of those other um like the kids that are with drunken cat right yeah i didn't look at all of them but there's one that's like super obvious there's this hong kong stuntman who was on the jackie chan stunt team and mm. he goes by the name mars <laughs> and like he has a very distinct face and like he's one of those kids and mm. and uh so yeah i just i don't know i like all that shit it's like oh shit the fucking Mars was just a little kid on this movie, you know, and then later he was being kicked off of buildings and <laughs> doing all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, I had no idea when he was singing songs in an end. Right. <laughs> that he'd be. I mean, I think he went through peaking opera school, like like Jackie Chan and all that, but but still, like the idea of the Jackie Chan stunt and all that was just yeah. nobody fucking knew anything about that. So I don't know. Weird things I think about when I'm <laughs> watching these movies. Uh, yeah. They kind of, those kids kind of had no explanation other than just, they, they just kind of existed. <laughs> they exist. Yeah. They're there to help drunken cats sing a song. They just kind of hang out, beggar kids. Yeah, they and they help drag the dead bodies around to the temple. That's true. <laughs> that is it's true. like, hey kids, let's drag these corpses to the temple. Yeah, I kind of see it, saw it as like, uh, just you know, homeless kids, and here's yeah. this kind of vagabond dude that's uh, just sort of helping them right. through life, get get some food or whatever. Maybe he's teaching them kung fu or something. Maybe, maybe that's his new martial arts school. Is, uh, yeah, are these kids? Maybe he's just teaching them to sing, and yeah. so they can go around the world and be entertainers. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, you don't get any fucking explanation on that. All right, that's uh, that. That kind of goes back to the whole like it's it's focused on its action, and it is the the rest of the world is secondary to it. <laughs> yeah. So, 
in terms of the action, do you think that the action holds up the movie enough to where you don't need that other stuff? I mean, I think it works. Yeah. I think I think it would be a even better film if it did just a little say some of the stuff to just explain itself or yeah, yeah. like put in just a little detail here and there. A little bit more story or something yeah, like that. I, I yeah. think that would have improved the film, but yeah. I, I don't think it's like bad. But it, it is kind of a little harder to get emotionally invested in the story because you just like, oh, there's people. Okay. <laughs> yeah, th- there is kind of a detachment. Right. Like that's supposed to be her brother but it's not yeah like like there's yeah that that never re- like they mention it a few times but it never is this focal point of her yeah uh, and she doesn't seem to care too to much it, yeah. like it totally could have been just like oh we got to get back this dude <laughs> right <laughs> and it would have been the same movie right but it never really felt like the rescue mission that, that. right not like a Rambo two where it's <laughs> where it's <laughs> all about no, trying to get these guys not. out and right. being invested in getting these guys out. But yeah, no, it's yeah, definitely not Rambo two. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, fucking Rambo two! Now I'm gonna be thinking about Rambo two, exploding arrows and shit. It's gonna be hard to think about. Come drink with me. Gotta dial it back. Yeah. Sixties, not the eighties. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's weird to me to think about how time changes so much. Like fucking that's nineteen years from this movie. I mean that's not that long. <laughs> Come drink with me to fucking Rambo. That's just, I mean, it's not even 20 years. Like, shit, it's just so much, like, the world is just fucking completely different. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I think about that with, like, uh, my grandparents. They were born in 1920. Mm. One set of my grandparents was, they were both born in, in I think one might have been 1921, but anyway, in the 20s. So they grew up, they were little kids, it's the fucking 20s, movies are Mm -hmm. like uh, uh, silent, (laughs) and then they died a a couple years ago, so like they fucking, the whole world shifted into like the internet and all this crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. That just like blows my fucking mind. Just thinking about that, I don't know. It's wild. Yeah, it's... It seems to be uh, faster nowadays than. Yeah, I mean, certainly. <clears throat> who know? I mean, what do I know? Maybe if we went back a thousand years, twenty years differences would be super noticeable to the. <laughs> oh, like in terms of faster technology growth. Yeah, I mean, because that's like twenty years ago. The internet was a thing, but <laughs> yeah, that's true. But not a huge thing 30 years ago was basically a just a concept not a right (laughs) yeah but that's a huge jump right there and go back another you go back to the 1900 or something and you don't even have light switches and (laughs) right it's just yeah shit is just it's just wild to me you know like i don't know I was thinking about that in regards to the the popularity of westerns, and mm, this is a yeah. thought I've had a long time ago. But like, they were really popular from the silent era, basically to I don't know the '60s. I mean, there's there's they're still popular after that. But like, I was thinking about westerns in the '20s, and if you were an adult, like you were like 30 or 40, you were born in the fucking 1800s. Right. And then you went to, and so you grew up around, like, it was just horses and <laughs> all kinds of crazy yeah, shit yeah. like that. And then you went to the movies, and there's a fucking Western. Like, yeah, of course Westerns were popular. <laughs> it was, like, right, I've, you know, re- representative of the people. Yeah, I've, I've heard something somewhere about how Westerns were kind of like, it's, 
is like now we have all this stuff that's rebooting the 80s and 90s and stuff. It's like, right, and, right. And that's kind of always been a cycle. Like, Westerns are like the epitome of that. Where yeah. It's like they were created basically to be for these people who actually kind of lived in yeah, that yeah, era. Yeah. And, <laughs> but we're now, they grew up in that era or at the very edge of that era where it feels like we're. People felt like, oh, this this way of life that we had is now gone, right. and recreating it in the film, and then, but it became so popular that it became its own thing, and then, like another twenty or thirty years later, it gets its own resurgence as a retro thing of we now we remember the films of the twenties and thirties, and we're reviving yeah. them in like the sixties or fifties or whatever. Well it was it was all like through that whole time it was popular. Yeah. Like it was a major genre all the way up until probably at least the fifties, but I, there's a shitload of sixties westerns and then it gets the resurgence with spaghetti yeah, westerns. The spaghetti westerns, yeah. In the mid sixties. And yeah, and then that kind of kicks it off into the 70s, and then they kind of all died. But I was I was thinking about that in terms of, like, if you were born in fucking 1880 or whatever, and you're 80 years old, you know, that's about when, <laughs> like, Westerns kind of died. And so yeah. all of these people, I mean, they still make them now, but the nostalgia for them is far diminished compared to what it used right. to be. I don't know. I like westerns. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. The spaghetti westerns, a huge, huge, huge uh, influence on Shaw Brothers movies. Not necessarily this movie, Come Drink With Me, but right. but uh, overall, the, the, the studio as a whole producing action movies is it's Japanese uh, samurai movies and and fucking spaghetti westerns is like the huge influence. Yeah, funny that you mentioned uh, mid '60s being the spaghetti westerns, and that's that's right here with "Come Drink with Me." Is it is mid '60s? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, I think if I remember right, "Fistful of Dollars" is '64. Um, so yeah, a couple of years after this, and and then you start to s- definitely in the Cheng Che movies you start to see a lot of of like usage of music and and other sort of spaghetti western styled like influenced things that are coming mm. into um cuz in a way I have this theory that that Tarantino is basically like learned a lot of his shit from Cheng Che because he mm. does a lot of the things that he did like that Cheng Che did as a fucking iconoclast director like <laughs> putting uh music that doesn't fit the time period and all kinds of shit like that but uh and using spaghetti westerns as like a a building point for other genres and things like that but uh i i don't know i don't remember what what ching che's earlier movies are like i just remember what one-armed swordsman is but he made a few before that Hmm. what other you saw water margin and thundering sword and yeah i think not too much else right not too much else from that time i think i want to say there was something else that was kind of from this time period ish but maybe not yeah yeah i don't remember maybe (laughs) 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 well should watch some more. Definitely, I want to. I want you to see the other King Hugh movies because, like, they're dope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah. It's a. It sounds like an interesting guy to follow. You, uh... Yeah, because like this movie is a big hit, and people love it. But his other movies are just like. You know, he like he ramps up the quality <laughs> pretty considerably, right. um, in my opinion. Yeah, it seems like a a start. It feels like a starting point, like that you're gonna spread out from yeah. this movie where it's 
kind of a experimental almost to like see how this fighting stuff works out and yeah and then grow from there into some broader stuff yeah and it's more focused stuff or something it's different than like the way that they fight in this movie is not really how they fight in other shaw brothers movies it's like it's like his like they i don't know it's like his style with the editing and stuff he's known for like really um bold editing and like building action through editing and like there's parts in in touch of zen which is later when like wire work had gotten better but there's parts in that where he like makes people fly just through editing and so Mm. you understand like okay that guy is now he's up there now he's coming down (laughs) like okay but it's just you know without any wire work it's just all editing Hmm. that's kind of his thing yeah yeah, there was a scene in, in this one where she runs up the wall. Yes. And I kind of thought that was done through editing. Like, maybe they had a flat wall that she just ran across or something. I wasn't sure specifically how that was done, but... She run. Yeah, I don't remember the specific sequence of shots, but I know that, like, she runs up in a wide shot, then there's a close-up of the feet yeah. kind of, like, starting to go up it, and I don't know how long that goes. And then there's, like, a. I think the next shot is, like, she's at the top yeah but but yeah that's a thing like there where it's very similar where he has her go up the wall with editing whereas in other movies they'll shoot it in reverse and she'll just jump up backwards you know (laughs) right right and that is like the main technique of of the shaw studio um because as a whole the shaw brothers like fucking they had as a studio, they had like rules for their filmmakers to kind of adhere to, mm. and that's part of the reason why King Hugh left because mm. he did not want to be confined by these rules. <laughs> um, but one of their major rules is to limit the amount of editing whenever possible. Oh, um, and that's why uh, it happens in later movies, but they didn't. They didn't develop the, the the zooming in these early days. But, like, that's why there'll be a wide shot. And instead of cutting to a close-up, it'll fucking pan and zoom in. Mm. And then there's times in, in later movies where they'll, like, do that four or five times within one single shot. Whereas a normal movie would have just cut. Right. And so in doing that, because that's much faster than than actually having to edit that stuff and so therefore it costs less money they can crank them out faster and so in doing that though it created like this whole style of filmmaking that then other people like tarantino and other people like just started to mimic and use Mm -hmm. and i like uh i enjoyed that to because it's just a compromise thing of like they just want to make you know more movies quicker and save money right, right. but uh, it ended up being this like grand stylistic tradition that kind of feels like oh yeah that's what a kung fu movie looks like they do these fucking zooms and shit yeah i love it yeah it's but like, yeah king q didn't want to do that <laughs> yeah it's like sometimes you get those restrictions fuel your creativity to do something in a way that can work under the restrictions and right yeah and then yeah so within those restrictions king hugh made this movie (laughs) and then decided that the restrictions were not for him (laughs) (laughs) but he did he didn't just stay off in the wilds of taiwan for forever he did come back like because his thing was that he was always he's a very artistic sort of filmmaker who like his whole career he maybe made like 12 movies or something like he's the exact opposite of Cheng Che where <laughs> Cheng Che made like a hundred and something movies he cranked them out King Hu yeah. was like this fucking absolute perfectionist who was always trying to get like exactly what he wanted and mm-hmm. and always searching for money because he was choosing the the artist's route of you know not just signing a contract to Shaw Brothers or whatever. Yeah. But he did do a Golden Harvest movie in the mid-70s, 73. 
so he must have needed money <laughs> for that one. But that's a good movie. That's kind of like a I don't know how to describe it, but it, it utilizes the same kind of structure as this movie and Dragon Inn and stuff. The the people coming to a location sort of thing. Mm. Tension based thing. Hmm. You have any uh any thoughts about Come drink with me. Hmm. Not really. From the future, looking back, does it seem like a movie that would would uh, light the fire of a generation? <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's hard to like strip off the later history and see it, yeah, like by itself. But yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting. Would you watch it again? Yeah, I would definitely watch it again. All right, all right. It does have fun action sequences and cool stuff going on. Yeah, I I think it's a pretty solid movie. Yeah. When I first watched it and reviewed it, I was I wanted something more uh, traditionally choreographed, and so I was like, it's like a Japanese movie. I don't want to watch a Japanese movie. I'm watching <laughs> fucking Hong Kong. But once I got over that, and I've seen it multiple times since then, mm-hmm. it's just like, no, this is its own thing, and it's kind of, you know, unique. and Yeah. It's, it's a fun movie. Yeah, it is fun. I, I, I like it quite a bit. It made Cheng Pei Pei a big star. She went on to star in a shitload of other movies. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the 60s, and then okay. she left. Okay, so this was like her breakout hit. This kind of was movie. her, bur- yeah, this was her big, big breakout. I don't think she had starred in any other movie, but she had been uh, kind of a supporting actress in a lot of other Shaw Brothers movies prior to this. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily martial arts movies, but but yeah, this is her big thing. She's she's a big star. She's remains a big star in in Hong Kong. She still acts every once in a while. Hmm. She was in a in an American movie a few years ago called Lilting. And it's not a very good movie, but she's fucking amazing in it. Hmm. She plays like this Chinese grandmother and uh she is just so fucking good. <laughs> like that movie's not great, but man, she's fucking awesome. I love her. She still has that fucking fire in her eyes, you know. <laughs> but yeah, she's basically in this in terms of this era and and the the she was like the the fucking the swordswoman of this era. Yeah. And so like when she left she left to get married and then she signed a contract with Golden Harvest a little bit a few years later. But um, when she left, then they tried to replace her in the Shaw Brothers movies with this other girl that was like, she's the new <laughs> Cheng Pei Pei. And they tried to like put her into these same kind of roles mm-hmm. and stuff. And then, uh, but she's like her own person and, you know, she flourished in other ways. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, Cheng Pei Pei. There were martial arts stars prior to this. It, this is not the birth of the genre or anything, but right. uh, in terms of what we know of as martial arts movies, this is kind of where the roots kind of, kind of begin, I guess. <laughs> where it descends out of. Yeah. This is like the branch, yeah, mm-hmm. that the modern shit kind of Mm-hmm. draws inspiration from this movie one-armed swordsman this whole era whereas like the the I- previous stuff uh not so much mm-hmm. but is all important all important it all build it up built up to this point you know <laughs> anyway anything else i'm, I'm kind of I think I'm kind of out. Kind of out. My cat is out. Yeah, he's taking a good nap there. Yeah, and so I guess 
I am out as well. <laughs> so, what do I say when I'm out? I say, adios. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Stand to hear that kind of crap.